2: Negative, you're always tearing people down, you're judgmental, you're harsh, there's no grace in you. Go ahead, throw it out. Mm-hmm, here it comes. And then you say, When do I get all these negative people talking to me and all this stuff? Hello? Verse 2 says, Boomerang effect comes back to you. You see, every judgment that a person makes becomes a basis for his or her own judgment. If I'm condemning, critical, harsh with others, Eventually, I'll have no
0: friends. The Bible tells us that we're to correct each other whenever we compromise scriptural doctrines or truths. However, the idea of approaching a brother or sister who might be stumbling in their walk can be pretty intimidating. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark expands upon the teachings of Jesus to help us better understand how we should approach one another. In our study, we learn the importance of correcting one another through prayer, love, patience, and grace. This, of course, comes by the strength and wisdom of God's Spirit. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark as he continues his study entitled, Remove the Plank.
2: Cannot unless you're very, very gifted, you cannot invite Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses into your home and try to debate them. Most of you aren't trained to do that. They're very well trained. They have almost all your questions backed up with false stuff. Of course, they have to come up and bring the Book of Mormon and so forth. So you can't do that. Now, they're wonderful people, but they're lost. And they're full of air. You say, well, that can't be. They love family, whatever. That's the Deception. So you have to go by the word of God. Notice the next verse. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Well, Pastor Mark, there's good spirits and bad spirits? Yes. There's demons and angels. Don't believe everyone. But test, judge, make a decision. Determine the spirits to see whether they're from God. Well, how do I know it? Well, if the spirit says something that is against the word of God, I know what spirit is. And because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Let me just show you something that's even minor, but it's major. A few years ago, and this isn't too prevalent anymore, but it still happens. We had an individual or two and a few folks that came, and they would get into one of our small groups. And uh, as they're going around the small group, the small group studying, they'd say, Well, what, do you, what, do you, what Bible do you have? Well, I have the NIV, and what do you have? The have new, New... Uh, a living translation, and I have a New American Standard or whatever, and I have the New King James or whatever. But what do you have? Well, I have the King James, and by the way, the rest of you are going to help. No, I'm very serious, because the King James is the only approved Bible, and so they were condemning. And a new Christian go like, I never even read the Bible. What is the NIV? Well, you have to have the King James. Thus thou whatever. And their point is, you know, that Paul read from the King James Bible. Well, the King James Bible didn't come to be in the 1600s. Paul didn't read the King James Bible. He read the New Living Translation. What's wrong with you people? No. You see what happens? And so they want to divide. It's ridiculous. So what did we do as a church? Well, we brought them in because the home group said the people are confused. We brought the individuals in and said, look, you can have whatever belief you want. It's fine if you, and again, I use the New King James Basically Study for. and I have nothing against the King James Bible. I, that's what I was brought up with. And you can have your opinion, but you can't judge other people that are wrong because they don't use your Bible. Well, we will. We said, not here. You say, you, you mean you kicked them out of the church? You betcha. Why? We're protecting the sheep. So we have to make a judgment call, and we do that. Now, is that easy? No. But is it the right thing to do? Yes. And so we'll have more of that coming. As I said to you, mainline denominations already, when you take up the homosexual agenda, for one, what has happened? Churches are split. Because now they say that God's word doesn't say this. It has never changed and never will. Now we're not condemning to the people, but we don't change our truths. Second, we should judge obvious sinful conduct within the church. So, the local church has the responsibility to judge its members, even though we don't have, quote, membership, and take action to protect the integrity of the church. In Romans, Paul gives us this illustration. Let me give you an idea. A man was sleeping with a relative of a church. wasn't his wife. And it was known in the church. And the church was just saying... We don't want to confront it, just leave them, do it. And so when Paul came and, and he wrote from Corinth and he says, well, wait a minute, everybody in town knows that this guy's sleeping with somebody in the church, a relative is not his wife. Well, what are you doing? Well, we, do, we don't want to, like, rock the boat. Look at what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 5. I have written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or greedy or swindlers, idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave the world. Now, let me just stop there. This is another whole teaching, but it's a powerful teaching. You see, what Paul says is, if you're a Christian, you have to be in the world. You're going to be around people that sin. Sinners sin. Hello? So you have to be around them. Don't isolate yourself. Don't go to a little mountain and hum together. Mm We don't want to be around unbelievers. Mm -hmm. Paul says, what are you, crazy? You have to leave the world. You're supposed to be light in dark places. But in the church, watch him. But now I'm writing to you that it might not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother. Anyone that calls himself a Christian, but is sexually immoral by lifestyle, or greedy, or, idolatry or slander, slanderer, or drunkard, or swindler. With such a man, why, well, don't even eat. What business is it of mine to judge those who are outside the church? In other words, we never judge sinners. Why? Well, why? I- well, look at the next statement. God will judge those outside. See, God judges the sinners. I don't judge the sinners. Sinners are already judged. You'll see that later. But notice the underlying portion. And are you not to judge those inside? Yes, we are. Now, why? For the integrity of the church. So Paul said, in this particular case, true story, what did he say to do with the man who wouldn't change his lifestyle? Expel the wicked man from among you. Let me give you an up-to-date illustration very quickly. We're in this church... And it could be all kinds of things, drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever. Person beating their wife, whatever. And let me use the illustration of a couple who are living together, not married, having sex, living together in a home. Both here in this service, claim to be Christians. And uh, they know that the Bible says you can't do that. You can't live together. So we hear about it, and uh, it, it comes to our attention. Now, sometimes new Christians don't know. So we're very careful with that. We're very kind with that. But when a new Christian doesn't know, what we do is we say, well, now that you come to the Lord, you have to kind of do what the Bible says, and you don't want to have this appearance of evil. So June and, and John, okay, you guys have been living together. You now both came to, to the Lord. Okay, you need to get married. Well, it's going to take you four months of premarital counseling to do that. Okay, we'll go through and make sure that's the right person. But we'll separate you two, and we'll find a way to... If you don't have a relative or friend that you can stay with for four months and you, whatever, you can keep the house and you guys can get together at night. If you got kids, you can be there and and eat together for dinner, whatever. But you can't sleep together and you can't stay in the same room. So we do that very often in this church. Many of you provide homes or room for somebody to do that. Over four or five months, they go go to the thing, you get married, everything's kosher. Perfect. Well, let's say the couple says, well, we're not going to do that. Well, then they leave and they're still in the church and they come out one morning. And uh, they come out of the house, and their, their neighbor next door says to him, uh, Hey, I see you guys, like every Sunday morning, you go somewhere. I've watched you. Where in the world are you going? Oh, we get out of this church. Here. It's Calvary Chapel, memory. It's, it's incredible music. The, the teacher's pretty good. Some of the thing's a little funky, but he's pretty good. And, and we just love this church. And he said, Well, how long have you and the missus been married? Oh, we're not married. We love each other. We're going to get around to it. Oh, you're not married? You know, I was raised... That's kind of why I left the church. I was raised... that. That's not right, according to the Bible. Yeah, but no problem. They accepted Everything's perfectly fine. Really? Coward Chapel is a good place. Like, I mean, I can just live however I want and come? Yeah. No. <laughs> why not? Because we've ruined the integrity of the Word of God. So, no, you cannot... There's no perfect people here. Careful how you just judged. Praise God, I don't lose anybody. (laughs) I've been married. Well, I've been married and we haven't had sex in 22 years with my wife, but we're doing just fine. (laughs) Marriage tune up. (laughs) Marriage tune up. Careful. Little oil, you need new oil for sure. I won't go any further get in trouble. All right. <laughs> so what do we do to the couple? Well, we confront them lovingly. If they refuse, we say, you, Sorry, you, you can't come to work. If you call yourself Christian... Now, if you're not a Christian and you're sleeping together, that's perfectly fine. We would expect that. But the more you come, the more you're going to hear the word, and you're going to become a Christian. Then your lifestyle will change, just like all of us. So we would say to the person sorry you can't come here you say well that's none of your business oh it's very much our business because Paul says protect the integrity of the church not perfect people none, no perfect people here so in this particular story Paul says expel the brother the church did if you go to 2nd Corinthians which is a book written later you know what happened the man who was expelled came back to the church and said this I'm sorry I've repented it was hell Living that lifestyle. Paul says, he's repented. It's true repentance. Invite him back into the church. Why? You remember the principle? God's always into restoration. If he wasn't, I wouldn't be teaching you and there wouldn't be anybody in this building. Do you got it? So, you mean, Pastor Mike, today in this kind of society, that principle still applies? Well, sure it does. And that's why the church stays pure and isn't divided. We're not judgmental. We haven't decided the person's final judgment. That's God's. But we do go by the word of God. And number three, we'll cover this when we get to Matthew 18. Let's say two of you as believers, by the way, somebody came to me in the second, first service this morning, perfect illustration. There's a dispute between two believers in this church families, people, parties, whatever, business, all kinds of situations. Well, Matthew 18 tells us that we have to make a decision. So before you go to the court, you come to the church. We don't force a decision. We just pray for wisdom. Now, look at Matthew 7, 1 and verse 2 again. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Right by verse 2, just write this word boomerang effect what Jesus says is if I'm a negative harsh critical person watch me I'm a negative harsh critical person I'm always tearing people down here's the boomerang it's coming back to me baby and worse than it went out that's what Jesus says you're negative you're always tearing people down you're judgmental. You're harsh. There's no grace in you. Go ahead, throw it out. Mm-mm, here it comes. And then you say, when do I get all these negative people talking to me and all this stuff? Hello. Verse 2 says, boomerang effect. Comes back to you. You see, every judgment that a person makes becomes a basis for his or her own judgment. If I'm condemning, critical, harsh with others, eventually I'll have no friends why? people don't want to be torn down they want to be built up many marriages are destroyed for this very principle the husband or the wife just constantly tears down their spouse, now the problem is remember marriage, two people are one, so while you're tearing down the woman, or you're tearing down the husband, you just tore yourself down Be careful. Now, I know some of you are going to say this to me. Pastor Mark, I have the spiritual gift of tearing people down. (laughs) Let me just say to you, you don't have much discernment. No, you don't. Actually, there's people who believe that. Well, I have the gift of a prophet. And my role is to keep everybody straight. And God put me in this church to do that. I'm hoping God causes you to say goodbye to this church. <laughs> or crack, because I'd like to get you restored first. Seriously, some people believe that. That's wrong. That's, that is not a spiritual gift from God. But many of you, your tendencies to be critical. We all are. Every person in this room has a critical nature, That comes from the old sin nature. Every person is. We've all been ugly, haven't we? You know it. Maybe you're ugly this week. You go, "Mm, that was stupid. But some of you have more difficulty. It can be changed. But I want to show you a principle why some of you have that critical condemning nature. Here it is. If a child lives with criticism, he learns to condemn. Some of you had a mom and dad. They meant well. You can't judge their heart, their motive. But they always tore you down. So into your marriage, that's exactly what you brought. It's the only way you know to treat people. You kind of turned out okay. And so you just condemn people. You tear down your spouse. Your kids, good luck. They can never be right. But I want to say to you this morning, God can change it. When you come to Christ, old things are passed away. All things become new. Paul says, think on those things that are lovely and kind. So if you can't think of a kind word, shut your mouth. That's what Paul says. Let me read you three others. You won't have time to write them. You can pop them on. You'll see them on the web this week in our devotion period. If a child lives with tolerance, he learns to be patient. If a child lives with honesty, he learns what truth is. If a child lives with fairness, he learns justice. Parent. Parent. Grandparent, I have a great influence on my grandkids. If you're still a parent, kids are still at home, you have a great influence. Pastor Margaret, man, I wish I'd heard this 10 years ago. Well, you didn't. We're here. You can change. Quit being condemning, harsh, critical. Pick your battles. Yes, you have to confront. Quit tearing down the person God made you one with. Look for something good. There is plenty good. Grandparent, huge. You can be such a positive influence for those kids. It's where we live this morning. It's exactly where we live. Verse 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? Let me give you a couple of illustrations this morning. Everybody in this room has gotten something in their eye at one time or another. And you know how the little piece of wood or dust or metal or whatever just drives you crazy. So you're taken to the emergency room. A friend takes you. You go in. You wait. You lay on the table. Nurse comes in. She says, doctor's going to be in in a moment. You're laying there and the eye's just killing you. And you're praying for a good doctor. Well, the door opens and out of, out of the corner of the good eye that you can see with, here comes the doctor. You know first thing you notice he has a patch over one eye. He got blinded as a kid as an accident. He doesn't have an eye there. You go, "Well, it's all right, he's got one. that's cool. The next thing you notice is you look at that eye and it's swollen and it's red and it's bleary and it's oozing yellow pus down the front. How many are ready to change doctors right now? You're saying there's. That guy ain't looking at my eye. He couldn't see a thing. So the nurse says, all right, all right, all right, all right. Relax. I'll get another doctor. So they make a call. You wait another half hour. Another eye doctor comes in. You know it can't be that bad. Here he comes into the room. His vision, 2800. He says to the nurse, where's the patient? (laughs) <laughs> you're going, Jesus, take me right now. Just, just take me right now. He comes over and he says, nurse, where's the eye? Goes like this and the nurse says, no, no, that's his nose. The eye's over here. How many know you're out of that place? Doesn't matter how bad the eye is. <laughs> now, stupid illustration. That's what Jesus says. He says, wait a minute. You're the eye doctor that can't see and you're going to take care of a problem of a little teeny speck when you have two telephone poles out of your eyes? Well, you know what we have in the church? We have a lot of fault finders. They're always looking for something that's wrong. Because of that, the church has what Jesus would call this morning plankitis. And that's right here. Can not get my Parkinson's over there? I want to start over here. <laughs> on it goes. On. Diarrhea of the mouth forever. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> Nothing's ever right. It's not only in the church. It's just anywhere. You meet them, at just plankitis. And what Jesus says is, the reason we do that, listen, what's very interesting in the original language is the speck of sawdust and the plank Well, they're made out of the same material. So what we discover is that if I'm negative and critical, I I like to exaggerate your faults. But boy, do I minimize the seriousness of mine. You see, I have this incredible rosy picture of me. Hey, pretty good. You, you're pretty honest. You're just not right. You see, frequently I overlook, well, I overlook my own sins. But I'm so easy to spot yours you know why? Because very often, those things that I criticize and complain and gripe about, and the other person, it's the same sin. Look at your own life this morning. Some of the things you gripe about with your friends, your kids, your spouse, are the very things that's wrong with you. No wonder I can spot them. Because the telephone poles are in my own eye. I know what that's like. And so what we discover, and this is, this is Jesus. Jesus is an incredible teacher. Obviously, he didn't have telephone poles. He just used a plank. But what he says is, we love to point fingers at others. Because by saying all the things that are wrong with you, and I can find plenty wrong with all of you, as well as you can with me. But when I do that, I just do it because I want to look good myself. Jesus says, you hypocrite. So what's the principle? Here it is. We should judge ourselves first. We judge ourselves by the Bible. So before I can be useful to God or to anybody else, I have to judge myself. In fact, the the chapter and verse I have up there, 1 Corinthians 11, is about the communion. Before we take communion, we're to judge ourselves. Now when do I judge myself? How do I judge myself? Well, I judge myself by the Bible. So this morning, you're being judged. The Bible's judging you. Are you a grace giver?
0: Over the last few decades, the word judge has gained a rather negative reputation. The idea of telling someone what to do or how to act is practically shunned by society. However, in today's message, Pastor Mark taught us the importance of correcting one another within the body of Christ. In our study, we learned that we're to approach those who might be stumbling with both grace and love.
1: Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu.
0: Many of us are quick to judge a situation before taking the time to reflect or better understand what's taking place. As believers in Christ, this is one of the biggest mistakes we can make when it comes to correcting a brother or a sister in the Lord. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach us the importance of being grounded in the word before we seek to exhort those who might be stumbling. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living and together, let's do life right.
1: in a hurry.